This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thank you for joining me. Got a great show for you today. And today I'm talking with a fellow who lives in the United States named Jason Long. And uh, Jason joins us here. As you know, before I say that actually, as you know, we here on AHP, we've interviewed a lot of different people from a lot of different countries on firearms, you know, from Canada to New Zealand uh, to Australia and to a lot of places across the world. And, you know, gun ownership means, you know, different things to different people in different countries. So today I'll talk to Jason about the American experience. I guess what it means to be a gun owner in the United States, what the Constitution means to them, and also what, th- what they think about things like self-defense and uh, how important gun ownership is to uh, the, the people of America and people that love to shoot firearms. So I hope you enjoy the show. I really enjoyed talking to Jason, finding out more about the American experience, you know, what they enjoy about you know, shooting, how Jason got into shooting why he enjoys shooting, and uh, it's a great perspective from someone that uh, lives in the United States. So without further ado, let's get into my interview, The American Experience with Jason Long. This is Rod Drew, CEO of Field and Game Australia. This is Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30. Hi, this is Col Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. All right, Jason Long, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast, mate. Thanks for joining me, a person from the United States. Fantastic. I always enjoy talking to a lot of different hunters, shooters, and fishermen from uh, overseas, especially the United States. I've been there a long time, so thanks for joining me. Glad we could meet up on this uh 14-hour time delay. Yeah, exactly. Normally when it's uh, daylight saving here, it gets actually worse. It gets to like sometimes 16 and 18 hours. It just depends on you know, where you are in the United States. So in- interesting. Yeah. Jason, uh, tell us about yourself, mate. First off, I mean, do you hunt, shoot, fish, all of the above? I mean, was your family into hunting or shooting? And uh, just tell us a bit about yourself, age, you know, where you're from, where you grew up, etc. Okay. So my name is Jason Long. I am 34 years old. I was born in North Texas, um, did most of my hunting in North Texas. Uh, in college, I moved to Central Oklahoma. After college, I moved to Japan to be a teacher for eight years. And then after that, I moved up to Central Kentucky to work at a Japanese company here. Yeah, right. Um, as far as hunting... Sorry, you're right, go, go on. Ahead. You're right, go on. Uh, as far as hunting... I, I can't remember a time when we weren't hunting, when there weren't guns and fishing around. <laughs> my favorite place, the place we always hunted. Um, my grandfather was a police officer, so he had friends. My father had friends, so we were always going to... Someone's got land, so we'd go buy our, our hunting licenses, and we'd go to so-and-so's land and shoot dove. We'd go to so-and-so's land to shoot dove. We'd go to so-and-so's land and go fishing. So... I, I honestly cannot remember a time when guns, hunting, and fishing was not a part of my life. Exactly. What's the, mate? What were you hunting? I mean, I've been to uh, uh, Texas. I mean, I should. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but I should send you a video from my YouTube page. I was down in uh, Waco, Texas, hunting yeah. uh, doves, and mate, I tell you what, that really, uh, you know, reinvigorated my passion for for hunting. I mean, uh, one of my friend's cousins, David, took me out and. I tell you what, Jace, I had a great time, mate, an absolute great time. It was a, uh, definitely a highlight in my hunting career, that's for sure. Yeah, my parents now live about an, about an hour south of Waco. They did some hunting down there. Most of it was up north. We started with birds. We started with doves. Then at my grandmother's house, the uh, sparrows and starlings uh, would bother her purple martins. So she had a kill order on all of the starlings and sparrows that we could get our hands on. Um, we went deer hunting twice, never really saw anything. Deer hunting is not really a thing. Pretty much all we've done is bird. 
Mate, you know what? I, that, that's my favourite thing in the world. I mean, a lot of people like different things and different countries have got, you know, better hunting than others. But uh, like you've got England, you've got a lot of pigeons in England, a lot of, a lot of bird hunting and also deer hunting. But uh, definitely yeah. in Texas, I mean, that's one of my favourite things to do. I mean, I wouldn't be that unhappy if I could bird hunt uh, quite significantly from where you're from. So I wouldn't be complaining. It's fantastic. Yeah. The, the only other thing that I wanted to do in Texas was pig hunting. Um, this area of Kentucky doesn't have any pigs, fortunately or fortun- unfortunately, I don't know. But there's no pigs up here. So the, one of the things I really wanted to do in Texas was pig hunt. But because there's not a lot of public land in Texas, you have to know someone or have to know someone that knows someone that will let you come hunt pigs on their land. And a lot of it now, people want you to to pay to come hunt pigs on their land. Yeah. Is, so there, is there not much uh, BL, is that BLM land? Is it BLM? Is, that, is there no. a lot in Texas? No? I, I Honestly, Jason, I did not know what public land hunting was until I was 22, and I learned that there was a little bit of land by the lake, but you had to file for something, and there was only a certain amount of time, and you could only use a certain weapon. So... In, in Texas, there wasn't a lot of stuff. Up here in Kentucky, there's five places to go hunting within 30 minutes of where I'm at right now. So that's one of the reasons that I moved up to Kentucky is because there is a ridiculous amount of public land. Yeah, yeah. What's a, what do you what do you get to hunt in in Kentucky? What do they got you can hunt up there? Turkey is big here. Deer uh. is big. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot of doves. There's no pigs, so it's pretty much everyone that I talk to. It's turkey and deer, this, the main staples. Um, predator hunting is big up here, but I'm told that it's kind of hard to get into. There's not a lot. It's kind of the eastern the eastern side of hunting, and it's not as easy as the western. So, What about uh, duck hunting? Any duck hunting in Kentucky? <laughs> um, we're kind of far from, from anything. Um, I don't think that we've got any. No? Um, no one, no one, none of the people that I work with have even mentioned duck hunting, so oh, I don't really? know. I know, I know that you get a lot of it down there. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I think I'm sure it was a couple of years ago. My friend, he's from uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas, and there's, uh, as far as I'm aware, uh-huh. there's crazy duck hunting in Arkansas. It'd be cr- it's interesting to think, you know, so far, I guess, um, inland to have such crazy and, and awesome duck hunting. Yeah, I know that there are Canadian geese everywhere up here. Every everywhere I look for work, I travel. Um, all of the the factories have a pond, and all of the ponds have Canadian geese. Uh. But I really we don't <laughs> see a lot of ducks unless you go to a pond where a lot of people throw out food. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, and, you, and you wouldn't be allowed to hunt there anyway. <laughs> no, no. Letting off letting off guns ten feet from a. Uh, a multi-million dollar building is not, not a good idea now. Exactly. Mate, when you were growing up, was, was your dad into, you know, hunting? Was, you know, you got brothers and sisters. Was, is that how you got into it, or was it something you came to, um, you know, as you, as you got a bit older? Like, like I said before, I, I can't remember a time without hunting. My grandfather, he was in the military. He was a police officer. He always had, he always had his guns. He had a two seventy and a, a triple two. Um, several pistols. We started, I want to say I was six or eight years and when we first went dove hunting, I had a, a 410. It was a Savage 24. It had the 22 long rifle on top and the uh, 410 on the bottom went out with dad, went out with my uh, grandfather. And then I think some of, the, some of the other cousins came along too. And we'd go out hunting and then every year we'd go out hunting. And so it kind of, we started it, we started it dove and that's, kind of the only thing that we could do if you had to pick one of your favorites what's your favorite hunting what's your favorite quarry to go hunting is it you know doves you know pig uh deer what's your favorite all around if, if i think about the most time that i'd spend it would probably be sparrows i, I know that's probably not an answer that you're used to hearing but <laughs> really the, 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 the most if, if i had to put a number to to, to birds, most of them would be sparrows. There was a uh, bird feeder outside my grandmother's, on my grandmother's back porch, and there was a perfect sight from the back door to the uh, bird feeder. So whenever one would land, we had a uh, pellet gun sit next to it. So we'd just crack open the back door, stick the barrel of the pellet gun out, and shoot shoot birds at like three or four yards. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the the barn cats, you just put them next to the put them next to the cat food tray and 
the birds would eat and the uh, cats would eat them. So, yeah, right. What about some um, mate firearms ownership in uh, for yourself? I mean, was it something where you've only got a couple, or it's something you've really gotten into? And you know, you've got sort of you know an, an array of different firearms. I mean, what's your favourite? What's one of Jason's favourites that he owns? My favorite right now is my AR-15 in two two three, um, but I've got another upper for my AR-15. I've got a few pistols, and then back in Texas, when I purchased when I was in college, I've got some 17 HM2 rifles, um, a few shotguns, um, so just a little bit of everything. Not, not nothing really big, big game. The uh, thirty caliber is about as big as we've got because we never got into Cape Buffalo or anything big like that here in, down there in Texas. So, would you like to advertise on one of the most tech savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to OzGunSales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers Australia-wide and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including 8 years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original OzGuns. Yeah, exactly. Mate, how important is it? Very interesting one. Uh, I talked to a lot of people from, uh, you know, the United States and, um, you know, your Second Amendment. I mean, we're hearing a lot of things, as you know. Uh, over here, we just had the, the you know, yeah, which is probably close to your heart too there. And being in Dallas, they had the, you know, the Dallas shootings there. Obviously, we've had Orlando yep. and those sort of things. I mean, how does this, do you think, it affects gun owners? We we obviously see that here at our government you know, has, has has tried to ban a lot of our different firearms. I mean, I'm not sure if you follow us too religiously yeah, or, or what. They, they blame the Americans for for trying to keep the guns out of your hands, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, how important is it to the Americans that this the Second Amendment, do you think it's important to them? And, and if so, what does it mean to you? Being an American, uh, a lot of Australians just think, uh, and some shooters even here in Australia, but mainly the antis just think, Oh, you can just change the, you know, just change this amendment. Oh, they've got to change their gun laws, not realizing that, well, you know, what the Bill of Rights actually means. So tell us a bit about that and what it means to you as an American, I guess. The Bill of Rights was given to us as Americans to keep the government from overreaching its power, from taking too much from us. Could the government cancel the Second Amendment? Could it make another amendment? saying that this is now and void, yes. But the steps that it would take are, are not possible. There, there would need a, a majority from the states. They would need a majority from the Senate. It, it's not going to happen. I, legally, it can't happen. Could they ban everything but single-shot rifles, single-shot shotguns? Yes, they could. But there are... 12 million gun owners in the U.S. Most of them have guns that would be banned. And I don't see, like we've seen in the the history in the last few years, people giving those guns up. The New York Safe Act kicked in. Not a lot of people registered their guns. They decided to say, no, I will not tell you what I have. A lot of the people don't want to give up the rights because they know that it is the first step to whatever else you give them up. You give up the second, 
then what else do you give up, Jason? Yes, it's this step. Do I need an assault rifle? I don't know, Jason. Do I need one? I don't. I don't know. What I wanted to talk about there was we get this argument, yeah. you know, a lot in Australia about. And a lot of people, even some shooters, I had this discussion with someone just the other day, and I'm, uh, it's like knocking my head against a concrete wall because they just don't get it. Even as shooters, they just don't get it. They say, well, do you really need this firearm? And then obviously, inevitably, maybe they're a rifle, bench rest rifle shooter or they're a pistol mm, shooter yeah. or they're just a shotgunner for an example. And then when I say, well, do yeah. you really need you know, your pistols? Oh, yeah, but I need mm. one. I said, well, who are you to tell me what I do and don't need? I mean, again, the need argument is truly just a very, very weak argument, isn't it? In the U.S., we have the right, and we don't have to prove, we don't have to show a need to exercise that right. I don't have to say, I want to go to church. I don't have to fill out a form that says this person can now go to church for me to set foot into a church, the First Amendment. I don't have to say, I want to post something online and get permission from the government to post online before I say, I love Pokemon Go online. <laughs> That's big now over here, I, Jace. It's big. Everyone's gone crazy with Pokemon Go. Go figure. We've, we've had someone, someone walk out into, on, into traffic and got hit. Um, two people slid down an embankment. People are already getting hurt. Unbelievable. So, it's unbelievable. But, yeah. But so so back to this back to the discussion at hand. <laughs> I don't have to show a need to exercise my right. So going going from the point that you're going at, I love having an AR-15. The first gun that I ever shot had a 50 round magazine. It was a 10.22. The reason it had a 50 round magazine is because it was just as cheap to buy a 50 round magazine as it was to buy a 10 round magazine. Did I hurt anyone? No, but I killed a whole lot of clay pigeons. The second gun I shot was an SKS. It had a 30-round magazine. It was just as cheap as a 10-round magazine, and U.S. law, it's called 922R, stated that if my father wanted to put a stock on it, anything, any, if he wanted to remove a stock that was on there from foreign import, he had to change out a certain number of parts to make it legal. So because he wanted to put a shorter stock on it, he had to change out two other parts. The magazine counted as two other parts. So he bought a 30-round magazine because it counted as the two other parts to make the gun legal to shoot in the first place. And again, the 30-round magazine was the same price as the 10 and was less expensive than the 20. So the first gun that I deer hunted with was an SKS that had a 30-round magazine. And why did I hunt with an SKS? because it had a 30-round bullet, it had a 30-caliber bullet, and it had low recoil as compared to my grandfather's 270 and 30-06 in bolt action. Did I need a 30-round magazine when I went hunting? No, I don't need 30 rounds to shoot a deer. But coming back, it was Texas. There were pigs that could really get mad at you. There were snakes. There were a whole lot of things that you don't think about that people that don't shoot and don't hunt don't even think about that they could be trampling on or walking into. In Texas, there were pigs. There were several different kinds of poisonous snakes. There were coyotes. There were mountain lions. There were a whole lot of things that you don't think about running into when you're deer hunting. If you drive your truck, walk out from your truck 10 yards to a stand and walk back, that's one thing. But if you're walking any sort of distance, there are all sorts of things that people that shoot that don't shoot don't even think about. Oh, look, there's a rattlesnake. What am I going to do about that rattlesnake that's upset at me? Well, I've got a bolt-action rifle that's at the 270. Maybe the blast will scare it away, but if it comes after me, how fast can I work that bolt? With an SKS, with an AR-15, I shoot, and if it runs away, then it runs away, and if not, then I can shoot again. And I can shoot again until the threat is, until the threat is gone. So to me, do I need 30 rounds to shoot a deer? No. Do I feel safer having the extra rounds? Do I feel safer having a 20-round magazine in my gun? Yes, because yeah. there may be a pig that's upset. There may be a whole lot of other things that can happen when I'm out in the middle of nowhere. And I don't feel like it's fair, honestly, to you, Jason, for you to be limited in what you can use to protect yourself when you're in the middle of nowhere. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. What about, mate, in your family? Uh, um, forgive me if I don't want to be intrude, but are you married uh-huh. or you've got kids? And what, if so, what does your you know, wife or girlfriend or whatever, what do they think about it if you've got one? Uh, my wife is Japanese. Um, I thought it was going to be an interesting topic, but the first picture that she sent me was of her in boots shooting an over and under at a trap range. Really? Yeah. I was going to say, what's some Japanese, uh, uh, I thought, very limited gun ownership in Japan, isn't it? Yes. Very limited gun ownership. I had looked into it. Um, I would first have to give up my U.S. citizenship and become Japanese. From what I understand, it's kind of like, kind of like the situation in Australia, but you're limited to a shotgun for the first 10 years. After that, you can look at getting into air rifles and rifles. Wow. But totally even, different. Even in Japan, yeah, the hunting, hunters are going down. There, there, there are calls for people to go out to the middle, uh, to go out to these villages because they're being overrun with pigs. But there are not enough people that are licensed to shoot to go out and shoot these pigs. My wife was telling me a story. There's this place that has too many pigs, but they can't find any hunters to go out and shoot the pigs in the plane. Hi. I've been hunting <laughs> since I was six. I'd love to give me a gun and I'll go shoot pigs. But the laws say that I can't do that. So I'm sorry. Hey, which which state is better for hunting, do you think? You have more more having more fun in uh Texas or more fun in Kentucky? What's the better hunting state? That's that's a that's a difficult comparison, Jason. <laughs> yeah. When you look at Texas, there's not a lot of limits aside from migratory birds, magazine capacity. You can pretty much use whatever guns you want. I know I've seen videos of people shooting pigs with fifty calibers. Um there's not a magazine limit. Um there are a whole lot more animals. There are a lot of exotics in Texas. There are a lot of exotic game animals in Texas, high fenced, because the, uh, the 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 wildlife and stuff is very similar to what's in Africa. So they would bring over warthogs and everything like that from Africa to live there. Um, Kentucky has a lot more public land, which is very nice if you don't have friends and you don't have a place to go hunt. Uh, the the culture. I, I also want to say the culture is better in Kentucky. The uh, open carry has been a law here forever. Uh, Texas, it just got passed this year, and you have to have a concealed carry license to open carry a pistol in Texas. When I moved here, the, the second day I was here, I walked into Walmart and had a saw a guy with a uh, Glock on a fire rig just walking into Walmart. I'm like, okay, I, I can get used to being here. <laughs> Yeah. What about talking about the concealed carry in um, Kentucky? Is that uh, you have to have a? Per- I know some states uh, have gone permit free now. So is it permit free, or you still have to have your uh, uh, permit uh, issued by? I guess who is it? The police or whichever agency gives that permit to you? Yeah, what you're what you're referring to is constitutional carry. Um, Kentucky, you can open carry shotgun, rifle, or a pistol. To concealed carry, you need a license. I took it. I got my license the third month I was here. They had just changed the law after I moved here. It was six months, and they changed it to as soon as you wanted to get it. So I got my license. Do you have to, Jace, do you have to do anything specific to get your, um, you know, say, concealed carry permit? Have you got to do any training, or is it just an application? What do you normally have to do, and what are the costs to be able to get your concealed carry permit in Kentucky? Okay, so for, for me, there was a six-hour class. Most of it was reviewing the law. I know a lot of people will question, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And that's what it was. These are the laws in Kentucky. This is what you discuss. This is what what you can, can't do if your life is threatened. And then there was a separate chapter. There was a separate discussion on a third person. If your life is threatened, there is a whole lot of leeway. If you feel that your life is in jeopardy. If you fear for your life, then this is what you can do. The same does not apply if you're protecting a third person. There are a lot of other, if the police are involved or if they were a bad person, there are a lot of things that are that affect the third person. We had six hours of class. We had to show proficiency with a firearm. We had a, a human target, 
a uh, paper target set up at seven yards, which is the determined distance for self-defense. And we had to put 11 bullets inside the target at seven yards. We had 20 shots to make it. Every person I was with had their 11 shots on the target, in, in, inside the target within 14 rounds. Yep, yep. So I got 19 rounds. I missed, I missed one. I got 19 in out of 20. So I think I did pretty well with, with the gun that you wanted to carry. What does it what what does it cost to um run a course like that to go? Is it free or is there a costing to that or no. Um the class itself, a coworker at the time, um, had just gotten his license to be a teacher, to be a trainer. So I think it cost about sixty dollars plus the fees related to the actual license itself. After we took after we passed the class we were given paperwork that we had to take to the sheriff's office. The sheriff's office would file the paperwork. They would take our picture. And then later we would, they would have 30 days to issue our concealed carry license. The concealed carry license is good for three years. So in a two year in next year, I think I'm going to have to go renew it. And I'm not sure how much it's going to cost. Does that mean you have to do the uh, course again or you just renew it with the new cost? You've only got to do the course once. As far as I know, the, the course was only one time. So what's the, what, what's the feeling like in, in Kentucky? I mean, is that a, I would say from, you know, me, I, actually, I haven't been to Kentucky. Actually, I've been close to being near Kentucky, but uh, are they very sort of pro-gun down there? Are they pro-hunting? Is it a bit of a hunting state, you might say? or? Yeah, um, the place that I work at has 19 people. All, all of the Americans but one hunt every year. I mean, we, we talk about it. Oh, I went coyote hunting last week. Oh, it's spring. Did you get your Did you get your turkey yet? Like, no, I went out twice, but I didn't see anything. It's It's a weekly discussion. Um, what What's hunt? What What who's, who's shooting? What Where are you going? Hunting and fishing. The The Japanese that I work with, they're big into fishing. Where are you going? They go out just about every week. The Americans. Oh, I bought a new gun. I got some new ammo. I got a new scope. Every week. There's 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 a discussion about guns. So I would I would say it's very friendly. When you get into bigger cities, it's it's not as big, but the the two big cities, Lexington and Louisville, hunting isn't as big there, but anything smaller than that. Yeah, what what, fine, what area of Kentucky big. are you from? I, I am in Frankfurt, which is the state capital. It's pretty much right between Lexington and Louisville. What's it so like? What's it like living in Kentucky? Is it not bad? Not a bad state to live in. What's the what's the, what's it like there? It's it's a lot like the weather in Japan. I understand why a lot of Japanese companies wanted to come here. Um, we get snow probably six or seven times a year. The roads don't usually get shut down in the summer. It doesn't get very hot, but it gets very very humid. Something I wasn't used to from living in Texas. We get up to I think forty forty two degrees centigrade. In Texas, but the humidity would be 10, 15, 20%. So as long as you got in the shade, it would be fine. But here, it doesn't get that hot, maybe 30, 35, but 70, 80% humidity. So you just walk outside and it's just, it just feels. It's really <laughs> There's really nothing humid. worse, Jason. than two. I hate the humidity. In in Sydney, where I'm from, obviously Australia, it gets, you know, sometimes it can get fairly, you know, we get the hot days and other days we get, you know, where it's really humid and, uh, you know, but if you go, if you go north to like Queensland, uh, the state of Queensland, you go to like Townsville or Cairns or those sort of tropical places it's, it's, or Darwin in, in the Northern Territory, right at the tip, the middle tip of, uh, of Australia in the middle. I mean, it's just, it's just like, uh, you know, I remember a couple of, probably 10 years ago, no, it wasn't that long ago, it was in 2009, I went to uh, Miami, Florida, and literally mm-hmm. that, that is the worst for humidity I've ever experienced in all my life. Like, we're actually going on some jet ski tours, and I said, can I jump in the water because I want to cool off a bit, and he says, you know, don't bother because it's 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 because it's warm. Not gonna help. Yeah, it's not going to help. The the the, yeah. the water's warmer than outside, so I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I spent a week in Cairns, Jason, back in two thousand two. Oh, really? What did did you like it? It was a very bad week. I uh, I perforated my eardrum. Oh no! Um, we went to the Great Barrier Reef, and I yeah. perforated my eardrum. 
two days before he was supposed to take a plane back to Sydney. And the doctor said, you can't fly. So I had to take a bus from Cairns to Sydney. Oh, wow. That's a long way. Long way. Yeah. And I had 10, I had 10 Australian dollars and half a pack of granola bars to, to bring with me on the way. Wow. Yeah. So it was a, it was a very, very, very bad bus ride, but we got to Brisbane and I found the nearest ATM, got some money and went to McDonald's because I was hungry and I was tired of eating vanilla bars. <laughs> what was that? Were you, why did you come to Cairns? Was that with your girlfriend at the time or was it just you come on your own for a holiday or with friends or family? Or No, actually it was for school. Uh, my, my junior college, we did a study abroad for a semester. I spent a month in China, a month and a half in Japan, a month in Australia, and then a week and a half in New Zealand. Yeah, that's how I got my uh, love from the states. Where I live in, just in Western Sydney, in Sydney, just uh, you know, just out from the main city. Uh, you know, I had a couple of guys that very similar to you. That, that was probably around that time too. Two th- yeah, actually, it was two thousand and two. Uh, I met uh, I met Greg and Mark, and they came to Australia. They were from Texas, and that's how I built my sort of you know, love for Texas, you yeah. might say. And you know, they were yeah. going to the gym, and I met them at the gym. We ended up you know, going out because I was only about yeah eight or nine, twenty, twenty one, maybe around there. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're having yep. you know took them out. We took them to the clubs and this, and you know, just had a good time. And then eventually, when I when I came over to the states uh, in late two thousand and two, I did a big trip. Went and lived in Canada for a while. And when I was coming to the end of that trip, I spent. You know, he says, "Come down to Texas." And uh, he was living in Plano. And he goes, "We'll come down and we'll." Uh, you know, we just yeah you know, did stuff. You know, just went to the movies and showed me all around Texas and made it, went down to Dallas and stayed there for about I think a week and a half. And uh, yeah, ever since then, I've I've really enjoyed going there. I, uh, came back four or five years later, and I've been to a Dallas Cowboys game at Cowboys Stadium down there in Arlington. I think the new one when it was actually the first year it was built, and uh, was the first preseason game. And uh, we went down. My, my, another friend took me down there because I when I was down there with um, uh, Greg, uh, he you know took me. He, I met a lot more people, so I've got a lot more friends there now. So every time I come over to the states, I generally go to Texas first. I hang out with those guys for a week, week and a half, and. You know, have fun and and just you know whatever. And then again on the two thousand and nine trip, that's when one of them said, um, you know, I was going to go down to Austin uh, via Waco, and he goes, "We'll stay in Waco and go hunting with David." And I said, "Oh, fantastic! I can go dove hunting." Okay, yeah, best time I've ever yeah. had. So, so, so you've been to 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 the US? Is it as bad as the Australians seem to think it is? Um, mate, see, here we get a lot right now, especially in this last couple, of, especially since just a couple of days ago too, the, you know, 77 people killed in France again by terrorists, you know, they're driving a truck through people and yep. you know, that issue. Um, every time something yeah. comes up about guns, mate, all they do is every single time without fail. There's this buzzword they use, American gun culture. We don't want this American gun culture here. Um, you know, the Americans are having such and such, you know, how many mass shootings every year. You know, John Howard, who was our former prime minister, uh, you know, back back then when he indoctrinated or changed our 1996. laws. Yeah, 1996. Yep. He was the guy that basically he hated guns. He hated guns and he bought back, uh, well, I'll say stole back because uh, you, you know, you, you, you know, buying it back implies I wanted to sell it. I didn't want to sell it. Even though I was too young, yeah. I didn't have any firearms that time. I was only about 16 years old. Um, you know, Martin yeah. Bryant shot 35 people in Port Arthur, which is, you know, if not one of, well, probably not now so much, but one of the, at the time it was one of the biggest shootings in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, that's yeah. obviously changed now with the issues we've got going on across the world. And basically banned yeah. all our guns, basically all, all we can own now. If I'm not sure if you've had a look, we got, you know, uh, we got, uh, we can have uh, bolt actions, under and over shotguns, side by side shotguns. We can have the new one, which they, I reckon they're going to try and ban now, is the lever action shotgun. So these Adlers and there's all a bunch of different brands now coming into Australia. You have the Partis, the Uzcon, there are all these Turkish made shotguns coming into the country. So, um, you yeah, know, we can have. 
uh, lever action rifles. We can have pump action rifles like a you know, Remington sort of 7615 style configuration. 7615 that takes the AR-15 mags. Yeah. Exactly. We, we can have that. They just, for some reason, they didn't ban anything lever action. So re- Australian, I guess, people refuse to believe it, but I think that's what's happened. A lot of the Australian you know, companies, the firearms companies that are importing have really jumped on top of that and are importing, you know, like you can have like a, a, a Marlin 30-30 lever action, uh, you know, rifle, but you, you can't have a pump action shotgun. You can't have a semi-automatic shotgun. You can't have a Ruger 1022. Um, so anything semi-auto is banned. Uh, anything pump action is banned except for pump action rifles. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can have pump action rifles. I don't know why they didn't ban them. Thank God they didn't. I guess that's at least one bonus. Um, yeah. And you, you can't definitely can't have anything semi-automatic centerfire. So obviously, any of your you know SKS ARs or you know your, anything like that, you can't have anything semi-automatic centerfire. So that's all banned. We can still shoot semi-automatic pistols. We still have pistols, which is, I guess, good. But it's you know again, they're always coming for our rights. I mean, just to, you know, I think we've yeah. got the same fight here we, as you do over there. I mean, stopping government can. I mean, I follow it as you know, doing this show quite religiously. The Obama administration. Administration, you know, constantly, you know, doesn't want to say what it is, terrorism or a certain culture, you know what I mean? Like, you know, obviously we, we, we want to try and stamp out people that are shooting each other. I think that would be good. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't, again, uh, you know, disarming, you know, law-abiding people saying, well, you need to give up your guns in the hope that people are going to stop killing us, I think it's just ridiculous. Yeah. The, uh, after the Orlando shooting on uh, Facebook, a lot of people got upset and said, this is too much, this is too much. And I, I I had to think, how many guns that were illegal in France got into France? How many how many full auto, fully automatic AK-47s were illegally used in the Paris attacks? That's right, yep. And they were ISIS, and Orlando was ISIS. So it's not like saying you can't have an AR-15 is going to keep these guns from magically coming into the country. If you look at the southern border, that's that's not blocked. There's there's thousands of miles where people every day just walk across. People, drugs, guns, they, they come across. It's not like Australia where you're surrounded by water and at least have some way of stopping guns come across. I know I know that they don't, Jason. I've seen yeah, the videos. We, we've of, got a lot of uh, guns but, coming into the yeah. country illegally, yeah. Yeah. And and you you just have to worry about boats. We we've got the southern border where people come across and drugs come across and all sorts of other stuff come across. Even if they took all of the guns out of the US right now, within twelve hours there would be more guns back in this country. Yeah, exactly. There would be more drugs, there would be more guns. So taking the guns away from everyone, only the bad people are going to get them back. If you tell me that I can't have any guns, I don't have, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to break the law to get a gun, but the bad people that want the guns are going to get them whether or not they break the law. And now only the bad people have the guns and I have no way to protect myself. Yeah. I mean, we've got stupid laws, Jace, like we've got. A law, well, it's you know, a law here in Australia that if you know if something appears to be looking like another rifle, we call it the appearance law. So there's one right now, the Ruger Precision Rifle. It's a bolt action. Now some of the states in Australia here, you can have the Ruger Precision Rifle, but the state I'm in, New South Wales, go, oh no, it's black, it's uh, scary. Uh, no, it's banned. They ban it based on its appearance because it looks like some sort of AR-15 or semi-automatic centerfire rifle. And they just ban it based on its appearance. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Well, we had it in, in 1994, Jason, the assault weapons ban. If you looked at the, the list of things that you could and couldn't have, it was a flash hider and a pistol grip and a barrel shroud and, and stuff that really make no sense that don't do anything to make a gun more or less dangerous. They're just cosmetic features. But like you said, it makes them look scary to people who don't know what they're looking at. And a Mini-14, a Ruger Mini-14, does the exact same thing as an AR-15. But because the Ruger-14 has a wood stock and no pistol grip, it's less scary to people because it looks more like a traditional rifle than an AR-15. Yeah. So I, I totally understand. 
Speaking about this, I think this is an important one. Um, obviously, I, I follow this religiously. We play a bit of stuff, even from uh, uh, the United States. I mean, you've got the obviously Donald Trump now. You've got Hillary Clinton. You're probably formerly from Texas, so you might have been a bit of fan of, you know, fought the governor of Texas, Ted Cruz. So I, I didn't yep. care either way whether it was Trump or Cruz. You know, I guess you know if you're more Christian values, I guess you probably would have gone more Cruz if you like Texas as well, which I do. But you know, Trump's obviously. Is there a real worry now amongst gun owners in the United States that you know Hillary, if she does get in and she's and she does get in over Donald Trump, I guess is there is there worries in the the firearm circles that there's going to be more bans or attempted bans? I mean, we've seen her definitely. You know, trying to push these assault, more assault weapons bans, more bans on firearms. What's the general thoughts amongst gun owners in your area? The the general thoughts from what I'm seeing, Hillary will will do whatever she can to get anything and everything taken taken out, getting gotten rid of. the 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 thoughts are that because the the recent scandals, the uh, the FBI not charging her, that there's just not going to be enough people to vote for her. It's kind of what what I'm seeing online and talking to other people is that no one's going to consider her as a credible candidate because the government came out and said she was negligent. This is all of the things that she did wrong. So the the feel that I'm getting is that people just don't think that Hillary has a shot anymore. But I didn't know of anyone that voted for Hillary before all of this happened, but she's still looking very good in the polls. Um, Trump, most people kind of think that he's a closet Democrat. He was a Democrat until he decided to run as a Republican. So honestly, Jason, it's not looking too good either way. What do you do in that um, situation, Jace? I mean, I mean, obviously – you know, this is what I see from a lot of conservatives over there. Like I follow Ben Shapiro, who's always, if you know who Ben Shapiro uh, yes, is, yes. Uh, from the Daily Wire, formerly Breitbart, whatever he was yes. involved in. Now, he's been fairly anti-Trump. Yes. Now, if I'm if I'm a gun owner, and obviously, let's say I supported Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz obviously wasn't mm-hmm. nominated, you know, uh, wasn't nominated for the you know Republican, you know, the head of the Republican Party you know, to, to run as president, yes. basically. So what my, my question is, I mean, who else... If I, even if I didn't like Donald Trump as a gun owner, I'm going to have to vote for him because who else is there? It's only him or it's going to be Hillary Clinton. I mean, for me, there's, there's no real answer. I mean, if I choose not to vote, you're only guaranteeing people that Hillary Clinton may be elected and you're going to lose more of your guns. I mean, but people need to get, to get behind the nominee, don't they? Up until this year, up, up until this year, Jason, I would have said yes. I think for the first time in actual history that a third party actually has a chance at making something happen. I know that I've listened to your show and you have, you've had 10, 15 different political parties on your show. Yep. And I've loved that there is not a two party system in, in Australia. I know that there are two majors there is, and yeah. then a whole lot of minors. Yeah. I, I love that there are so many different political parties because it gives people that aren't A or B someone to actually speak for them. And I think for the first time that there may actually be, um, his name is Johnson, his last name is Johnson. He's running on the, uh, the Libertarian Party. I know a lot, of, a lot of my friends that I talk to are considering him um, with... Hillary taking the hits that she took with Trump being well, Trump being Trump, that the the third party may have a chance this year. I, I may be overly I may be thinking way too highly of this, but I think that there may be a chance for a third party, and I really honestly hope Jason that there is a third party to hop in because the left and right, the left and right, you're this, you're this, the binary is not working. Because if you're a Republican, then people automatically say that you believe in this and you believe in this and you believe in this. If you're a Democrat, you automatically believe in this, you automatically believe in this, you automatically believe in this. And there's the back and forth. Well, you're a Republican. That means that you hate gay people and means that you don't think that there should be bathroom freedom and you don't believe in all of this. And 
I just sit there and say, well, no, 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 kind of no, no, no. Yes, sometimes no, no, no. But you're this, so therefore you do this. And it's just binary. It's you're this or this. And there's no, there's no in-between. Up until now, it's been, well, you have to choose one over the other because there was Ross Perot a few years ago, and that's pretty much been it. But I think that there may actually be a chance if he doesn't win. I think there will be enough people voting for him that at the next election, there will be confidence enough to try again to get, if not the Libertarian Party, another party in as a third choice for the first time since I got involved in voting in politics of any kind. Yep. Mate, speaking, I want to go on to, which I think is important too, what about um, you, you, your firearms organizations? I think if you listen to my show, you'd know I'm a, I'm a life member of the National Rifle Association. You obviously got Gun Owners of America. You've got other organizations. I mean, what are your thoughts on these organizations in representing your rights? I know when people talk here from our organizations – a lot of them are still fairly apathetic, Jason. They, you know, oh, yeah, guns, yeah, we're fighting for your rights, but, you know, we're not really. But when I get on the online and I see the NRA, I see these guys from Gun Owners America, I see these people talking about gun ownership. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm almost fist pumping because I, I just think these guys are great. These guys know exactly what I'm talking about. They're on the same page as me. And and in just in general, what's your thoughts on these organizations across America? Are they doing a good job? Are they doing a bad job? Can they do better? What's your thoughts on that? In, any organization can do better. In, any organization can do better. But again, when there's not a lot of organizations, they automatically go to their main voter base. I don't feel like the some other people as well don't feel like the NRA is pushing as hard for the the modern sporting rifles, for the ARs, for the new people. There's a lot of, you. I think you would call them FUDs. They're not really FUDs, but <laughs> I've got my bolt-action rifle and I've got my my over and under, and that's all I need to go deer hunting once a year. You reckon the NRA's been fudified, Jace, you reckon? I, I Compared to our organizations, Jace, the NRA oh, are looking they, like the holy, the holy the grail. <laughs> it's not the same, but... I mean, you've got David Lionhelm. Love that man. Love that man. I love listening to everything that you say about that man. I have a man crush on David Lionhelm. But you've got one. Yeah, we have the NRA. But there's people like you, Jason, that, that have a show or they've got a YouTube channel. And they talk about it. Colin, Colin Noir. Oh, yeah, the, the there, guy there from Texas. There are some Texas, people yeah. that I... That I yeah. Yes, there are some people that I do love from the NRA, but I don't feel like the majority of the NRA is pushing for su- suppressors, sound suppressors, for the, the modern rifles. And we can talk about suppressors if you want to. I know that you would love to have them, but a lot of, a lot of the new stuff coming out isn't being brought up by the NRA. I know that Colin Noir has all of that stuff, but a lot of the people don't feel like the, the NRA is strong enough for them. But a lot of the little the little people, the the YouTube pages and the I've got a blog are really pushing things forward. And a lot of people on Facebook, they'll post someone said this and they loved it. And Facebook organization keeps a lot of information flowing. Despite how anti gun Facebook is, there's a lot of information going through Facebook that helps encourage people. Here's a video of a person legally using their firearms to protect their family, despite whatever a Democrat says, whatever Obama says, guns are bad, they kill people. Here's a video of a person defending themselves. Here, here's a video of three robbers breaking into a house. You don't, you need six bullets in your gun. That's all you need. Here's three robbers. I, it, do I only get three shots? Do I only get six shots if there's more than three people in my breaking into my apartment? And there's there's a lot of transfer of information, and a lot of it is really helpful. I have bookmarks. A person that doesn't know anything about guns says, well, this is what so-and-so said on the Internet. Well, here's data to disprove what that person says. 
so-and-so said this. Well, here's proof that this is what happened. Um, muskets. The Second Amendment was for muskets. No, here's a gun that had a high-capacity 22-round magazine that came about and was adopted by the Austrian military before the Second Amendment was approved. So I think it helps us grassroots, the little people, the I don't even know who you are, to pass around information. This is what was said. This is what the facts are, to pass out that information, because not a lot of people know the facts. As, as a person that doesn't know anything about guns, they hear what they're told. But if you, if you and I and everyone else that owns guns says, here are the facts. I know what this person says, but here is a study that says this. Here is a video that says you are wrong. Well, a shotgun is better than this. Well, here is a ballistics gel test that says this is what happens when you shoot a shotgun. This is what happens when you shoot an AR-15. If you notice, the shotgun goes a whole lot farther. There is a whole lot deeper. There is a whole lot more penetration with a shotgun than there is with an AR-15. If you use the right kind of ammo, here is a here is a pistol. It goes a whole lot deeper than an AR-15. So you may not think that an AR-15 is the best self-defense weapon, but here is proof. Here is a scientific test that says an AR-15 does not overpenetrate as much as a shotgun or a pistol, the more conventional or traditional kinds of self-defense rounds. Yeah. Oh, that kind of makes sense. I now kind of see why you want an AR-15. You don't want to kill the person three doors down from you. Yes, that is why I have an AR-15, because it is better to me than a shotgun or a pistol. Speaking of that, mate, I want to ask you a quick question about that. Um, what's, okay. your, what's, your, what's your preferred, um, you know, obviously when you've got your, your concealed carry permit, what's uh, the, the go-to firearm? I guess obviously it would be a pistol. I'm talking outside the home. What's the go-to pistol and caliber these days? And uh, I know I see a lot of <laughs> debates raging on Facebook about the, the perfect, you know, self-defense caliber and, you know, 380 and .40 and 45 and 9 mil and all the different ammunition that goes with that what's your preference what do you get to carry around i i carry a nine millimeter my father carries a 45 my grandfather carried a 38 because that was his police issue um i have an sr90 a ruger sr9c it's small it fits my hand it has a comes with a 10 round magazine or it has an extended 17 round magazine it i shoot winchester hollow points 147 grain I got on YouTube and looked up ballistic gel test. This is the ammo that I can choose from. Here are the ballistic gel test. Which one do I want to shoot in my gun? So I carry a Ruger FR9C with 10 rounds of 147 grain Winchester hollow points. I usually carry it with me. I do not carry on my person usually. I will usually keep it in my vehicle um, whenever we go to any place bigger than Frankfurt. If we go to, to Louisville, I will always carry. If we go to Lexington, I will usually carry. My concealed carry permit has reciprocity, meaning that I can it it is valid in other states. So every state around here but Illinois, my Kentucky concealed carry license allows me to carry in those states. So if I want to go to Cincinnati for a weekend, I can carry in Cincinnati because I have a Kentucky license. So if I want to go to Cincinnati, if I want to go down south, my concealed carry license for Kentucky allows me to carry in those places. A concealed carry license also allows me to, I can't say bypass a background check because I had to have a background check when I got my concealed carry license. But if I'm buying a new weapon, we have to fill out a form. It's called 4473. I have to fill out that form. But if I present my concealed carry license, this is just... This is just Kentucky. I can't, I can't speak for the states. If I present that license, they do not call the FBI to do a background check because the FBI has already done a background check when they issued me that concealed carry license. Yeah, right. Which okay. is another great thing about having. And having the concealed carry license, being even if you don't have the gun on your person, there are certain places that you can have the gun that you could not have the gun in your vehicle. There are certain places you could have the gun 
easily easily reachable that you could not have it legally without a concealed carry license. Mate, what obviously we see, which is not happening a lot, you know, these 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 new groups, these Black Lives Matters, whatever that you know they want to call themselves these days. You know, like when you get pulled over by the police, do you ever worry? That, you know, like obviously people seeing this in the media that, well, you know, the police are always pretty good if and when they do pull you over. Do you tell them you've got to have a concealed carry? And, you know, because uh, I mean, I understand some of these police officers have a tough, very tough job sometimes in dealing with some of the people they have to deal with. And, you know, I saw a video just the other day where like within two seconds, he'd already shot the police officer, you know, getting out of the car. There were four police there. I mean, one, the guy's actually pretty crazy, if you ask me, like trying to shoot a police officer in front of you know, four other police officers and subsequently ended up dying anyway. And thankfully the police officer survived. So um, that's how quick things can get out of hand. So what are you doing in that situation of being a concealed carry owner? Do you, you know, keep your hands on the steering wheel at all times or what? <laughs> legally, legally speaking, each state has its own different laws. Texas, if you're carrying, you have to inform the officer. You have to when you present your driver's license, you have to present your concealed carry license and tell the officer that you are carrying. In Kentucky, to the best of my knowledge, there's not a law that says you have to inform. Yeah, okay. Right. But to, to me, I, I, have, I, have, I have considered this, I have thought about this before I got my concealed carry license. If I have a gun within reach, whether or not I have to, I will tell the officer. When I went, I went into Louisville last weekend, and I brought my nine millimeter. I brought my pistol with me, and I said, if I get pulled over, I'm going to give my license. I'm going to give my concealed carry license, and I'm going to say, officer, there is a pistol right over here. How would you like to proceed? I, I understand how people feel about the police. I, as a white male, cannot speak to what they feel, but as the grandson of a police officer, I do my best to respect a person that is just doing his or her job. I've had a not too good experience with a police officer. I've had a great experience with a police officer. So the last time I was pulled over, there was an issue with my insurance. The officer hit his lights. I pulled my car over. I pulled out my insurance card. I pulled out my driver's license. I put my hands on the steering wheel, rolled down the window. The officer approached me. He asked for my he asked for my information. I gave him my information. He told me what was going on. I said I didn't understand. I don't understand why this is an issue because here is my insurance. Here is this. I never saw him reach for his gun. I tried to be as nice as possible because he wants to go home. I want to go home. I, and some people will want to say, well, he's violating this. He's violating this right by asking this question. And if you want to push it, there are certain ways that you can push. But I'm, I'm, I, I want to go home. He wants to go home. I'm, I'm going to comply unless it is something that I just, I, I cannot in good conscience comply with. Does yeah, that make sense? definitely makes sense. Yeah, okay. definitely. Mate, we've got a bit of a, a segment here. If you listen to my show, you know it. Sometimes we do do it. It's you know five questions in under a minute. You reckon you can take the challenge? I'll, I'll do my best. All right, three, two, one. Here we go. Okay, best thing about being American and a supporter of the Second Amendment. What is it and why? Freedom, responsibility, and conservation. I knew you were going to say freedom, but anyway. <laughs> Favorite aspect of hunting. What is it and why? Family. No matter who you're hunting with, they become family. All right. Totally favorite species of all time to hunt. What is it and why? Right now, it's the sparrow. I'm hoping very soon it's going to become raccoons and coyotes. <laughs> if you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? It would be in Africa for baboons, just because <laughs> it looks really interesting. All right. Of all the firearms you own, favorite one you own, and what is it and why? My AR-15 why it's versatile it's light recoiling it's infinitely infinitely um modifiable oh no fail 102 22 two seconds over oh two oh Oh, no no no. that's it terminate the conversation (laughs) no oh come on jason mate i want (laughs) to um 
Tell us, uh, we, as you know, we always finish off with a, uh, a story, mate, uh, something, a story. It can be any story you want, a hunting story, a professional story, uh, you know, something involving firearms or concealed carry, anything you want, mate. We need you to, to sell it to the listeners. They always love hearing a good story. So what's, what's a story you could share with my listeners? One of our customers, one of the people that we sell parts to is Japanese. Um, I didn't know at the time, but he had done survival contests, kind of what you guys would call airsoft. Um, another salesman had told him that I was into guns. So one day, randomly, he tells me that he wants to shoot. So two weeks later, there is the Knob Creek machine gun shoot um, just south of Louisville. And I say, I'm going to be in the area anyway. Why don't you meet me down at Knob Creek? So we meet down at the Knob Creek machine gun shoot, and we walk in. And he wants to shoot a gun. So he says, I want to shoot a 44. I want to shoot something big. And they don't have them. But if we go down to this one area, and they've got fully automatics. They've got an M14, and they've got an AK-47. He says, he wants, I want to shoot an M14. And he's like 5'3", 150 pounds maybe, really small guy. He pays his money. He picks up an M14 and three oh eight. Finger off the trigger until he know until it's time. He shoots it, takes it, just takes all, empties the mag. Huge, huge, huge smile on his face. And he's like, I want to shoot the AK-47. So he grabs the AK-47. He pays his money. He shoots the AK-47. He's got this huge, huge, huge smile on his face. And then the uh, one of the workers says, you want to shoot my pistol? He has an open carry pistol. And so he gets to shoot the pistol. And he walks away. And he has this smile on his face for the next four hours. And it is a great thing to give new people the chance to enjoy the sport. It was great for me to be able to show him this is what gun culture actually is in the U.S. He walked by millions of dollars worth of guns, hundreds of thousand dollars worth of ammo that people will say will, are nothing but killing machines. And he walked by them. There were all sorts of full automatic, all of the things that people want banned. And he walked in without getting hurt, and he walked out without getting hurt. He shot a gun. He saw what real American gun culture was, and he walked out with a huge smile on his face. And it only cost him $100 to shoot the guns. And that made me happy because now he can say when he goes back or whenever he talks to someone, well, in America it's like this. And he's like, well, no, when I was there, this is what happened. This is how it actually was. So I got to educate a person who can now educate someone else. And that made me happy because now I know that there will be more information, more people who may be in support of our gun rights and say, this is how it actually is, not this is what someone else says it is. Yeah, exactly, mate. So what did he, did he, was he there? Is he living in the States, this guy, or is he just, um, you were just coming yes, and traveling and having fun? He is working here for two years. Um, his parent, his company in Japan, sent him to the uh, the sister company in the U.S. for two years. So he got to shoot. Then we took him to shoot pistols a few weeks later, and hopefully, sometime this summer, we will get him and some of his coworkers and some of my coworkers to uh, shoot some more. What sort of what sort of industry are you in, Jace? What sort of industry uh, you work for? What what do they do? <clears throat> Uh, tool and die. We supply parts for Honda transmissions, for uh, journal bearings. We right. okay. We're not we don't not direct supply, but for people that make connecting rods, transmission parts, bearings. Right, and you and you've been to Japan, eh? What did you think of Japan? Not bad, or <sighs> eight eight years. Um, eight years. A lot of it I really wow. enjoyed. Um, I spent eight years there. That's where I met my wife. A lot of it was good. A lot of it was bad. The uh, the gun culture, like you know, is is dead there. There is no right to self defense. Whenever I discuss guns with people, why do you, why do you want to do that? Why why you want to go hunting? You want to shoot something? Like, yes, because it's delicious and it's free. It's free range. I don't have to worry about where did this pig grow up. I put a bullet in the pig. I clean it. I take the meat home and I eat it instead of walking to a grocery store. Yes, that is more sanitary, but that pig is still dying for you. I now know 
I found this pig. I know what it was eating. I shot it. I cleaned it. I brought the meat home and I ate it. And I can say from start to finish, I know where this meat came from. But a lot of the, the students were the most surprising. They'd walk up to me and they'd just start, Jason, do you know what an M4 is? Do you know what an AK-47 is? Do you know what this is? Do you know what this is? And I was like, yes. And yes, I've got one of those at home. <gasps> you have a real one? And so then they would talk to all of their all of their friends, and once a year we would call my parents on Skype, and the students would ask questions to my parents in English, and they would answer. And then my second year, I said, "Mom and Dad, do you have your guns out?" So they would bring their guns and they'd show them on the TV, and the students would all flock, see, "Oh, this is a real gun! This is a real gun!" Because they had only seen police carrying them, and they'd heard what was on TV and they would get to see this is a real gun. It's not anything but a piece of plastic and metal, and it's not dangerous. They're just holding it up to a camera, and it's not doing anything. So it was it was really interesting to see the kids that knew so much about guns, knew more than me about guns, just because they wanted to know about it, but they didn't really have any way of actually seeing things. Exactly, man. Good stuff, man. Um, all right. So, mate, any, any anything to finish off? Anything you think that would be, uh, you know, permanent uh, or pertinent? Sorry, I should say. To you know, any final advice to my listeners? I mean, obviously, you know, my, my advice to you is make sure you keep fighting. Otherwise, you'll probably end up like us. I mean, we're trying to fight as hard as we can. We can only do so much without you know a, a, a bill of rights and a set of amendments like you guys have. And that's why you know I feel why the Americans respect their Bill of Rights and Constitution, whereas Australians just think, oh, some of Australians just think, well, isn't this just a set of laws, a piece of paper? You can overturn that overnight. They just don't get it. They've got no idea. And I actually respect the Americans uh, you know, for, for being smart and their forefathers for actually being smart enough to instill something like this. And uh, I guess you're one of the last countries on earth that's, I mean, I know you guys still have your fair share of issues as with, uh, as with most countries in, in other areas as well. I think we all do. You know, every country has its issues in other areas, and but you know it's sort of the last country on earth, really, isn't it? That uh, you know sort of still values people's freedoms. And if a government like Obama could take that away tomorrow, that's exactly what he would do. Yes, I agree. As to to your listeners, if if you value your right to do anything, do not hide. Do not be quiet. If you want to continue shooting guns, shoot your gun safely. Take as many people as you possibly can with you and show them what shooting a gun actually involves. The more people that you take shooting, the more people that can possibly get into shooting. The more people that you have into shooting, the more people that you will have voting. The more people that you will have voting, the more power you can build up as a special interest group. The more people that shoot guns, the more people will want to vote for program parties. The more people that vote for program parties and more program people you get into the Senate, into government, the more people that you have in government, the more likely you are to get more rights. If you say, I'm good right here, then there will always be people saying, no, you're not good right there. I want to take this away too. So if you are stagnant, you are giving up. If you haven't talked to someone about guns, about what gun culture is really like, about what shooting, about what hunting, about what fishing, about what being outdoors is like, then you are not helping your cause any. If you have a chance to take someone hunting, to take someone shooting, to take someone fishing, take them, show them what it's like so that they will know, so that they can possibly help your cause become their cause in the future. Awesome, man. Jason Long joins me here on the Australian Hunting Podcast to give uh, an American's perspective. Jace, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.